plant medicine grows abundantly. Naturally, intuitively, we're supposed to eat and consume more of what's around us because when you're eating fruits from the ground, well, you're absorbing what's in the soil and what's in the air, which is what you need to actually adapt to your environment. You think of holistic health, it's connecting yourself as a human to your spiritual, physical, mental aspect and saying, am I aligned? Am I happy? Is my job making me happy and am I doing what I'm meant to do and am I sharing that gift with the world? Am I feeding my body what it needs to be able to think and feel optimally so that I have the energy that I need to be able to do what I need to do? When you're actually aligned with what you need to be doing, the next step and the next sign becomes so obvious for you and you just follow that path. We all have natural talents. We all have a gift. We all have a piece of the puzzle to bring to this world. Every single one of us, whether big or small pieces. If we want to see true change and true freedom in the world, the only way for us to do that is saying, I can control my, my health. I can control my mind. I can control my finances. And this is how I'm going to start by baby steps, learning how to do that. So I'm breaking free from a system that feeds off of controlling me. Welcome to the Staying Free Podcast. In this episode, I spoke with Tanya the Herbalist. Tanya is an author, a plant medicine practitioner, a health and wellness coach, and an outspoken advocate for health freedom. So for this conversation, I wanted to do something a little bit different. And I've been kind of really interested, especially recently, about this kind of intersection between health, wellness, and freedom. And in particular, how we can take a different approach to health, given that Big Pharma and the kind of traditional health institutions have really exposed themselves especially in the past two years, as being undeniably unreliable at worst and corrupt at best. So Tanya seemed like the perfect guest to talk about all of these topics. And for me, I really enjoyed the conversation. I think that Tanya has a huge amount of wisdom to impart. So I really hope you guys get some value from this one too. If you enjoy the episode, please give it a like and a share on social media. If you're enjoying the podcast so far, make sure you give it a five-star rating, whichever podcast app you're using. If you're new here, welcome. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes. As I mentioned in the last episode, there's now a Telegram group for the podcast and that's Staying Free Pod. The link to that's in the description too. So head over there and hopefully we can get some conversation going. Please consider supporting the podcast. That can be done in three ways. The first is via Bitcoin tips. That's both on-chain and via the Lightning Network. The second is via Buy Me A Coffee, where you can give a one-off donation or join one of the three membership tiers starting at just £1 a month, which gets you some additional benefits too. Links to those are in the description. The third way is by listening on Fountain, where you can stream sats to listen. So I really encourage you to check out the Fountain app and listen to the podcast over there. Finally, I just want to give a special thanks to Pim and Jane, who are the first monthly supporters of the podcast. Thank you so much for supporting me, guys. Those monthly donations will go a long way in supporting the costs of running this show. All right, on to the episode. So Tanya, I'm really excited to get into this uh, this episode with you. Uh, it's been a while since I've talked about something kind of more in the area of holistic health. In fact, I can't even remember the last episode I did about this. So uh, I know that you're really into kind of plant medicine and holistic health. And you're also, you know, a prominent kind of uh, member of the freedom movement. And, you know, you're very outspoken uh, on issues of kind of freedom and self-sovereignty. So super excited to get into this with you. So uh, welcome to the podcast. Do you want to just give people a little bit of a a background as to as to yourself for those who haven't heard of you? Sure, yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Um, so I actually fell into the herbalism world not even knowing that herbalism was even a thing. I had just years ago saw my mother on her deathbed um, on way too many narcotics and pharmaceuticals, and she was no longer communicating coherent. She would fall asleep in the middle of a conversation, and she was just 
literally kind of out of it. And I started to grieve my mom while she was physically still alive. And I get a lot of like my, my, my feistiness, my energy, all that that's from her. So you can imagine kind of seeing that person in your life now in, in their bed, no longer communicating. And so I hit a breaking point. I literally was grieving my mom while she was physically still alive. And I hit a dark point where, you know, where I should have been my happiest, you know, just, you know, recently getting married and in my peak of my corporate job, you know, well over six figures, travel, luxury travels paid for around the world. I was at my lowest point and I decided to take some time off work and meditate for the first time ever in my life, just trying to get out of my head and into the present moment. And I sat in nature for about a week. And after about a week of sitting in nature, it's as if nature spoke to me and I realized that there must be something natural that we can do for her and I literally bought my first book on learning about medicinal plants and I was pen to paper old school sitting in nature just learning whatever I can to support the nervous system because what she has is a nerve disease and I was just learning and blown away with the amount of information that I was learning and so she decided to become my guinea pig she was okay with it because she has nothing to lose so she became my guinea pig and I started to create elixirs and concoctions and everything to kind of help her and then she got off of her narcotics that she was on for over a decade. So the doctors are like, that's impossible to just get off of synthetic heroin, you know, like this. Um, it took a lot of time. It took a lot of willpower. It took a lot of, you know, withdrawals and things that she was dealing with. But the point is that she got off of them and she was talking again. She was getting out again. She was laughing again. She was like living again. And I ran with it since then. Like I had realized the amount of you know, corruption that there was in this pharmaceutical industry and how the doctors just let her left her to die that way. And then I learned herbalism with this thing. I started to study it and the rest became history. Wow. And where were you actually studying this stuff? Like, where do you even be begin on that journey? Ah, uh, there's so many different places that actually, like, you know, I started off my studying at Dominion Herbal College, and then I had taken so many courses from Herbal Academy, Chestnut School of Herbs. There's so many actually that you can get started, but like, you don't even have to be licensed or certified to really like learn herbal medicine. You just got to read it, learn it, practice it, and then share that knowledge. Wow. Okay. So when this happened uh, with your mom, like, was it just a matter of kind of you improved the quality of her, her life for a while? Or was it like a, a kind of turnaround? Is this the kind of thing that can that can actually completely turn people's he um, health around and, and like cure them? Well, it's definitely not just only herbal medicine. I think the biggest thing is I gave her hope that there's another way. And I started to create mixtures for her that started to ease her pain more than some of the pharma the narcotics that she was taking at this point. So she felt like there was another way and that gave her enough willpower to say, okay, I want to try and get off of these narcotics. And when she started to come off of the narcotics, well, she naturally was becoming more coherent because it really does drug you out. Um, and then it's a, a lot of different ways of healing. So, so she's not fully healed, but she lives, she, she goes out, she laughs, she comes shopping, like, you know, all that stuff. But you can still see in terms of holistic healing that there's some parts that are still completely unhealed. But as a person, you know, how much are you willing to actually change those things? There's emotional trauma and healing. There's, you know, removing the toxins from your home, all of these things that, you know, even till now, she's not quite ready to remove to an extent she is, but not quite, quite ready to do the work. So you're not fully healed until you get to that point of realizing that I'm okay with changing whatever I need to in my life to make it happen but she changed just enough to be able to have a quality of life back. Yeah. Yeah. I, I often find that's a difficult kind of line to straddle because 
like you know we we kind of um you know me and my girlfriend we all we're, we're kind of going down that path at the moment of saying okay what can we kind of like remove you know we'll turn the wi-fi off at night and things like that we'll we've stopped having like fluoride in the toothpaste and things like that but sometimes my sometimes i feel well if you go too far down into that um way of thinking that you almost could potentially make yourself less healthy because you're you're actually worried all the time about all of these toxins and stuff. So it seems like you need to kind of find a balance there because I guess there's also that placebo effect of, okay, I'm so worried about toxins that you end up kind of like that impacts your health as well, right? I love that you're saying that because you're right. Like I think that there's an obsession with being so healthy that becomes a stressor in its own. And that's not the way to do it. It has to come naturally. Like you can't force yourself to do these things, you know, like you change your detergent, it's a natural transition, you actually appreciate it more. Like now if I'm smelling, you know, Tide or Gain or these common ones, I'm like instant headache, like I can't, you know, you change your toothpaste, you do all of that gradually. But when you're constantly stressing about everything that you're eating, everything that's going in your body, oh my God, is it going to make me sick? It's going to do that. The reality is no, like, I, I'm not a hundred percent. I always believe in the 80, 20 rule. I always say, try to be healthy 80% of the time so that you could do whatever the heck you want for the other 20%. Eat that cake that you want, you know, do whatever you have the bag of chips. Like we know that it's not good for you, but the reality is enjoy life a little bit. And if you're healthy, like I said, 80% of the time, even 70% of the time, your body can handle the 20 to 30%. But that's also why it's impossible to be toxic free. It's impossible from the air, the water, the clothes that we're wearing, there's chemicals everywhere that are that are not natural chemicals. But that's why it's important to detox. And that's why you just have to try to detox the body regularly, do what you got to do, Cleanse out your liver and your kidney so that your organs are kind of running optimally and removing the toxins as much as possible. And and that's really all you can do. Because I do see some people that are crazy obsessed. Like I even have a, a, a really good friend of mine who's like overly doing it. And I was like, you are stressed more about what you're eating and putting on and around your body than you're just enjoying life. And that is a lot more negative and feeds your body all the wrong chemicals that you don't want to. Yeah, definitely. So just um, kind of going back to, I guess, the, the more like general theme of, of holistic health and plant medicine and stuff. Like, I guess for someone who's coming out, you know, I'm, I'm kind of coming on some of these ideas, but I'm still, I guess, just a little elementary in the way that I think about it. Like, how do you kind of like see the world through the lens of like holistic health? Like, you know, do you just kind of look at plants that other people will kind of just look at and say, hey, this this plant just means nothing to me. It might smell of this. It might taste of this. But do you look at things in a completely different way and you kind of see the healing properties in, in everything? Like, how does the world look to you? Yeah, that's it's it's true. Like the perfect example is dandelion, right? Like where I am here, it grows abundantly in the northern world. I'm not sure where you are. Um, I think on the, you're on the other side of the world, right? But um, like plant medicine grows abundantly. Actually I'm, actually, I'm in Mexico, so I'm not far. Okay, 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 perfect. So you're not too far away. But so there's a lot of plants that probably won't be in Mexico that's in, in, in Canada or the US. But essentially, it's whatever is growing typically abundantly around you is is nature telling you, hey, consume me. And so when you're taking a walk, and you're noticing, hey, I'm noticing a lot of that same plant, it's like, learn about it, because it's telling you something. So for example, dandelion here grows abundantly. People think it's a weed. You go out in the summertime and I'm cringing watching people fertilize their entire lawn and trying to eradicate all of those dandelions when they don't realize multiple things. Dandelion is food and medicine. It's incredibly powerful in neutralizing the soils. 
in the ground, which we know that the soil is losing a lot of its microbiome and it's, and it's what we need from the soil, right? And so dandelions and weeds actually help neutralize that. Dandelion is also an amazing detoxer. It's so good for your liver and your kidney and your skin and so many things. And so, so I, yes, it's to answer your question, it's hard when you kind of know the power behind plants and then you see it abundantly and you're like, oh my God, these people actually think that it's, it's a weed and it's, a, it's, it's annoying versus what it's actually meant to do for them and their connection with it. So for people who might be listening, who, you know, perhaps they've got like a small garden or something like that, or they can, you know, they can grow stuff on their windowsill or whatever. Like what, what are the, what are the things that like an individual could, could grow that would be beneficial to their health or, or, you know, like might have some kind of like healing properties that we otherwise might just look at and say, oh, this was just a plant. But, you know, what, what are those kind of like main things that you find? So, um, in the Northern world, like lemon balm is one that grows abundantly and beautifully in the backyard, um, which is really good for the nervous system. It supports the nervous system. It's, um, it's also like a natural, like, um, antifungal and it helps disinfect the bodies. Like it's good for cold sores when you use it topically. It's got so many benefits. Nettle is another big one. Um, a lot of people that maybe not, might not actually understand the marijuana plant think that it looks like a one big marijuana plant because it kind of grows those same types of buds almost, but in similar leaves, but it's different once you really know the plant grows abundantly. It's incredible. It's, it's one of the highest herbs that it's filled with vitamins and nutrients and so beneficial improves metabolism, helps with so many different things. Um, and, and they live nicely together. Uh, you could do like burdock grows abundantly as well. It's a really nice one. Burdock is really good for detoxification, very good for skin health, uh, skull cap. I mean, it all depends on where you are, but there's plants that a lot of the times they're already probably growing in your backyard and you don't even know most often than not, you've got these growing abundantly in your backyard and you just haven't identified what that plant is and what it could do for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. We've got some, some stuff growing here in Mexico that I've kind of really got into. I, I always think that it's better when you're living somewhere, you know, to just like eat the stuff that's local. Like, like you said, like I, I don't have any kind of evidence to suggest that just eating, you know, what's grown locally, like is going to necessarily have like all of these great health benefits, but it just seems logical to me. You know, if you're, if you're in a certain area, just eat what's local, even, even if, that the, the sole reason for that is it's more fresh, right? Like it's, it's not been, it's not been transported across the world, et cetera. Like, even if that's the only reason, but it probably makes sense that maybe the things that grow that are consumable, like actually is good for that, for living in those climate, you know, it might have some protective properties for living in that exactly. same climate. Well, it's, it's absorbing the rain, it's absorbing the soil and everything within your, within your area. And I think that's very important for people to recognize whatever is growing around you. For example, local honey is a perfect example. You're supposed to be consuming only local honey, unless it's Manuka. Of course, it's different, but, you know, local honey should only be consumed f for you. Why? Because those bees are literally taking the pollen and everything from what's around you and the allergens and everything from around you and, and pollinating that. And then when you're eating the honey, you're actually benefiting and creating a microbiome and your gut is creating adaptability to your environment. So it reduces your allergies, it reduces seasonal allergies, it reduces eczema, different things that you would typically react to because you're creating, um, you know, coexistence and more alignment with your actual physical environment. So yes, you, naturally, intuitively, we're supposed to eat and consume more of what's around us because when you're eating fruits from the ground in Mexico, well, you're absorbing what's in the soil and what's in the air, which is what you need to actually adapt to your environment. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. We have this um, this thing I've really got into recently here uh, called called nopal, and it's like a it's basically like cactus. You know, I mean, it's just it's just a form of cactus. Sometimes you can even see it like growing like in the road. But like, I just find that this thing it's just it's really like kind of juicy, and you know, like you you cook it, and it's just it's got a great like texture and stuff to it. I imagine that it is like quite good for like hydration and stuff. I don't actually know right. this, but like, it just seems kind of like logical to me, but yeah, I mean, th- there's some in pineapple here is just like absolutely amazing. I love having the, you know, the, the local fruit and especially when it, when stuff's in season as well, like in season pineapple in Mexico, there's nothing quite like it. Um, I just want to switch gears a little bit with you because I know, um, you know, I know that you, you're kind of, obviously you're, you're big into the, the plant medicine stuff and holistic health, but also you're very outspoken when it comes to like ideas of freedom and things like that. And, you know, your, your Twitter kind of has quite a big following of people who are just really into the, the freedom content as well that you've been putting out. So like, how did you find yourself, um, you know, as part of the freedom movement, you know, was this something that, you know, you've been turned on to prior to like 2020 or was COVID a turning oh, yeah. point for you? Like, how does that story go? So, like I said, I had kind of started to question a lot of what was happening in the pharmaceutical industry because of what my mom was dealing with. And this goes back to like nine, 10 years ago. And I mean, I wasn't fully aware, but what started to happen was when I started to study herbalism, I firsthand had realized how the Rockefeller and, you know, Carnegie and all of them kind of took over, you know, herbal medicine, natural healing, uh, you know, homeopathy. They actually removed it from the education system, you know over a hundred years ago. And so when I actually started to learn how this is no longer taught in, in medical school, and it was completely shifted to allopathic through their big grants and their deep pockets and literally monopolizing the education system and the health system is when I started to realize that, okay, now it makes sense where, you know, doctors in North America, especially they carry a license and they can only follow the allopathic method. They cannot give you plants. They cannot tell you about diet. They cannot tell you any about of these things or they can lose their license. So I had learned about this and already kind of known about the corruption behind the pharmaceutical industry. And that's because of the big monetary incentives. And so once I had learned that, I had kind of already known about how it's all intertwined and how it ties into the pill for an ill mentality and injections that they're giving kids at such a young age and all of these different things. So I was aware of that. So when COVID came around um, and it was a lot of fear mongering and, you know, lockdowns and isolating people and out of sunlight and into their homes, immediately I was like, wait, wait, wait. When you understand health, you're going to know a few things. First of all, instilling fear is going to make somebody sick. Having them panic and in fear, you know, in that fight or flight mode will overstimulate your nervous system and, and suppress your immune system. Second, you need to be outside. You actually need more vitamin D if you're concerned about a virus or a cough or a sickness or anything like that. You need more vitamin D. You shouldn't be locking yourself up because we are human. We actually thrive off of community and affection and all of these things. So everything that I intuitively had known that works against you, they were pushing. And as someone who's like a health and wealth coach like myself, primarily in health and healing, for example, I was like, wait, why aren't we talking about ways to improve your immune system so that you're less susceptible to this making you sick. And so naturally I was that person. I was like, I never forced my way of living healthy on other people. So why is this being forced on me when I'm not worried about a virus getting me sick because I believe in my body's immune system. And so very early on I was that's and that's essentially where I had blown up is because I did my first video in April, 2020, where people were still in their homes, completely scared 
speaking out against the fact that like this is not about your health and if it was about your health we would be removing the gmos the pesticides the fluoride in the water all these different things and practice healthier living i have not seen anywhere on any news channel talking about diet and talking about being outside and talking about exercising and talking about supplementation and talking about being with your community and happy and all these things so I had naturally, like, I felt like I had been molded through my mom's journey, through my own research, through studying herbalism to know that as soon as it happened, this had nothing to do with our health because there was nothing about health actually being taught or shared with us. And so I felt the need to share that with people. Right, right. Yeah, th there was two kind of really big red pill moments for me during during this uh, this whole debacle, which just exposed really like just how much it wasn't about health one was we had um like in in the uk we had like uh obviously like a lockdown you know just like just like everywhere else but you know what was open mcdonald's was open burger king was open the gyms were closed right like every the, the place where you'd actually want people to go they were closed and that was obviously during the lockdown and even once we kind of like opened up the other thing that happened, we had this very, very short period in the UK where they tried to do this campaign that was all about health. And, um, you know, I remember it was all in newspapers and it was like, you know, get Britain moving and all this kind of stuff. And it, there was this picture that was going around of like our PM at the time, Boris Johnson. He was like on a bicycle with his, you know, stupid little like helmet on, you know, looking ridiculous as he always does. And it was all about like, you know, he's him kind of like cycling around. It's like, you know, let's get moving because we're going to defeat COVID by improving our health and lowering obesity. Honestly, this this campaign, it lasted all of about one or maybe two days. And then it was just gone. You know, you never heard of it again. I, I just got a distinct, yeah, yeah. I got yeah. the distinct impression that someone had just come in and gone, sorry, guys, we can't talk about, uh, you know, metabolic health. Like we can only talk about uh, vaccines. Like we're queuing everyone up for the vaccines that's going to come out, you know, in six months that's time. Right. So exactly. sorry, we, we're not going to talk about anything about health. Um, yeah, it was, it was just a real red pill moment for me. And, you know, I think that for, for many people, um, this, this whole experience was something that kind of made you see the world in a different light. And, um, obviously for yourself, you know, being kind of right, really into this, like, you know, holistic health and, and plant medicine stuff, we're not, and I'm kind of, you know, similar, like, you know, I'm kind of before this. And even now I kind of consider myself to be somewhat of a hippie, you know, like I'm into like some alternative stuff and I'm vegan and all the rest of it. So I'm not the kind of person, and I imagine you're probably not the kind of person that most people would expect to be kind of like fighting a, a battle for freedom. Normally we're the kind of people who's just like not too political and More stuff, zen but I, your own thing, yeah. yeah, like I just wonder, you know, um, whether you've noticed the same thing as I have, which is that there's this, there's been this kind of alliance here between people who are into like, you know, the, the holistic health stuff, the yogis, you know, all these kind of people who, you know, obviously like they're kind of pretty alternative in the way that they live and people who are more kind of like on the, on the alt-right side of things who are more like, you know, pro second amendment, pro freedom, kind of like the Trump sport type people. It's almost like we've kind of come to this, this alliance together to, to just agree that like, this is wrong and to, to agree on these fundamental principles. I'm wondering if you've noticed that and like, you know, kind of, yeah, how you view that, you know, your place within this movement that's going on and, and what you yeah, see around you. I think, I think it's definitely happened for a number of reasons. The first one is because we practice practice healthier habits, we knew very early on that they can't force a vaccination and a mask and say, you're healthy now, you're going to prevent disease or sickness, you know. But the other thing is, is I think because of the lifestyle, because we have cleaner guts, because we have cleaner, like your and your gut feeling is a real thing, right? Because we have cleaner microbiomes, because we have stronger pineal glands, our intuitive guide is that much stronger. 
And so I think naturally all of these people in that dynamic are so much more connected to their inner guide that they instinctively, intuitively just knew that something was very much wrong. And not just that, we're empaths. So many of us are natural empaths. And so you are seeing the damage, the collateral damage that was happening to people, the mental health deteriorating, what was happening to the children and all of that. So naturally, it's like everyone kind of came together and was like, no, there's something very wrong here because this isn't about your health because I practice healthy living and this is what you should be doing. And I think that that's how it naturally came about. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would totally agree. It's, um, but but in, in a way, that's where I think its strength comes from. Its strength comes from the fact that you've kind of put put aside potentially like political differences you might have and just come together and say, no, like this is wrong. And, and I completely agree with you. There is this, um, some people seem to just have this very like palpable self sense that like there was something wrong. And, um, yeah, m- maybe it, maybe it is to do with all that. Although that said, like, I didn't kind of go down that route of like, you know, uh, eliminating fluoride and, and all this kind of stuff that actually happened for me, for me after I kind of feel like I've, I've kind of gone more into that since, um, but yeah, certainly during that time, um, like, and this is one of the, yeah, like I said, it's one of the strengths and something that I noticed like in the UK, especially you would go to these protests and the, the mix of people there was huge. You just never knew what the person next to you was going to look like. You just had absolutely, right. it was a complete cross section of society. Where, where are you in the world, by the way? I'm in Canada. Oh, you're in Canada. Okay. So did you get involved in the, in the kind of freedom protests and stuff that were going on over there? Well, I actually was organizing rallies. So like as of May 2020, I was hosting like my first rally and organizing them. And then I was fully part of the Ottawa convoy because I'm in Ottawa. So the trucker convoy was like fully here in my city. (laughs) Oh, nice. I've not talked to anyone about that, Um, the the whole um, convoy thing. I mean, I've talked to people who were in Canada, but not who were that close to it. So this was happening like what, right outside your front door? Well, no, it's like about a 15 minute, it was happening like in the downtown area, but like from my house, you you have to get on the highway to try and get downtown. So like, it was all day, you kind of like hearing and seeing the trucks. Um, And in order to get downtown, you had to like, thank God I know the city because I was able to know all the different side streets that can take you kind of down there. And me and my girlfriends were there almost every single day. So it was it was crazy to see that, though. It was insane to actually be there in person and to see you know, the whole population of Ottawa is 1 million and there was easily just 1 million people just downtown. Yeah. Yeah. I'd have, I'd have loved to be there. I I really feel like that whole event that happened kind of showed the world how it was done. And it was great that it was Canada as well. Yeah. I think what happened is it made all the people that knew something was wrong, but wasn't protesting to now want to join the movement too. So I felt like it's that push that people needed, you know, they now followed sadly the herd, right? Because some people are just kind of just follow what's going on. And so this was a big movement and people that were just like, I was against it, but I felt wrong to speak out are now joining that because there's so many of us. So it was, it was nice to see that. Yeah, for sure. Cause I had been, like I said, I had been organizing rallies for a long time and, and working with other people, but in this dynamic, obviously I had no, nothing to do with the organization of the convoy, but the fact that seeing, you know, organizing rallies and having a thousand, you know, sometimes there was five, 10,000 people, but like a million people or something like there was like a whole other feeling and you thrive off of each other's energies. Right. So it was amazing. 
Definitely, yeah. And, and you know, like there'd been such a media blackout on, on the protests that had been happening. And I really feel like, especially in Canada, which kind of went full totalitarian, like you needed something as big as that to actually show the world. And, you know, there, there's probably a lot of people who were at home who were just like, oh, there's no resistance to this. You know, I'm going along. Like maybe they didn't feel, you know, like they were part of some movement, but maybe they were like, oh, I don't really like this, but I guess I'm the only one. There's nothing on the news about protests. And then probably for those people, it was like, that was their moment where they're like, oh, this is this is really happening. It's it makes it very difficult to ignore. So it was great to see. It was great to see it happen in, in Canada as well. It was nice. Um, it was powerful. So just going back was, to Yeah, go ahead. No, I was gonna say it was just powerful to see to see it. And there was nothing violent or bad about it. Like it was a lot of just community coming together and music, playing, dancing, eating, you know, chatting. It was nice. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. That's cool, cool that you got a kind of front row seat to that as well. So just going back to something you were, you were saying before about the uh, the kind of switch from from um, allopathic uh, medicine to, wait, am I getting that right? Allopathic to... Natural medicine to allopathic, yeah. Oh, natural medicine to, to allopathic, yeah. When when there was the, a kind of, I, I guess, a deliberate ploy to, to try to get rid of um, natural medicine. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I don't know too much about the the history of what happened there. Although I've heard like, you know, these key names, like you, I think you just mentioned like the Rockefellers and stuff, but what happened? Yeah. What, what happened during this, this transition and why? So essentially, uh, in 1935, um, in Switzerland, they actually synthesized the first vitamin being vitamin C. Okay. And John D. Rockefeller, who owned the petroleum industry, saw this as an opportunity, uh, got together with, uh, I think his name is Alex Flexner, which is where you'll see the Flexner report and, or Andrew Carnegie, actually, Andrew Carnegie. And that's where they came up with the Flexner report. And he saw this as an opportunity and then quickly moved in to realize that he can actually synthesize medicine as well. And so what they did is they quickly moved into the medical world used their deep top pockets that he had to take over the medical system, not just the medical system. They started with the education system. They started with the education system, um, completely took over it so that now the schools were only able to get grants and get all this money if they taught their way. They introduced a licensing system that required the doctors to have a license to be able to practice medicine. And in order to keep your license, you had to practice the medicine exactly as you were taught. Um, and then from there, um, demonized, criminalized anyone who was kind of against the norm. So they were publicly defaming and creating these smear campaigns to to instill fear in people who weren't following this allopathic method. And then that's where the pill for an ill mentality came in and goes deep enough to I say, I think it was in 1915 where Don D. Rockefeller actually even founded the American Cancer Society. So like, you know, cancer treatment itself is along with that, you know, it's one of the most prod- profitable industries on average $150,000, if not more per cancer treatment. And so that was another way of kind of creating that problem reaction solution. So that's actually a lot more damaging, right? Because we know the damages of chemotherapy and radiation causes far more damage than what they're looking to actually help. And that's where it started. It was in the early 1900s. It's the Flexner report, if anyone wants to read up on it, on how he completely took over the allopathic system. Yeah, the, it does seem that this is kind of just a general a general theme. Like, there's not just isolated to this area, but I guess the theme is just trying to trying to take something which is like 
a general process like being healthy, you know, involving things like exercise, involving things like sunlight, involving things like community, you know, um, involving things like rest and sleep. And, you know, you could just throw so many things into that bucket and say, this constitutes real health. And, you know, what medicine seems to try to do now is to just say, okay, we're going to identify to the smallest kind of slice um, of, you know, what, what's wrong with you? We're going to say mm-hmm. that that's your health problem, right? Yeah. You right. look at the symptom and you say, okay, like you've got this symptom, let's treat it with this thing. And you, you almost do it as well. Just like in the most, not necessarily invasive way, but using extreme technology to do that. You know, in the case of exactly. uh, what's happened with the vaccines, it's like literally saying, we're going to go down to the genetic level. We're going to, we're going to, um, you know, inject with this like MRNA and that's going to be something that's going to aid your immune system. And to me, I just kind of, I look at that and it just seems so obviously wrong. You know, that, that seems so obviously wrong. And obviously for me, um, I kind of had this kind of wake up during, during COVID. I'd never been, you know, any kind of anti-vaxxer or, or, or someone who was even particularly skeptical about vaccines. I've taken all of them. But when this happened with COVID, it almost kind of, it kind of pushed it beyond this line. It was like, for me, the, the, straw, that broke, the straw that broke the camel's back, essentially. And then now I'm kind of looking at everything, you know, even even all vaccines. I'm, I'm now, well, I'm now wondering it, like- For sure, yeah. Yeah. It made people question everything. And, and I think it's also how they forced it, right? This is where it's like something- is coming up a defense mechanism to kind of be like, why are you forcing it on us? It should be our choice. And I feel like that made people question a lot of things and not just that same thing. When you start to understand the body, you know, when you think about the concept of vaccines, it's, and I think the biggest thing is to know is like, okay, well, naturally when you get sick or you catch a a disease or something like that, it's coming in through your senses. It's either coming in through your mouth or your nose, for example. And your tonsils are your actual first line of defense. Your tonsils literally tell your body to create the antibodies that it needs to fight it off, which is ironic because most often than not, you got swollen tonsils and they're telling you what? Remove them. So now you're removing your first line of defense out of your body. And it doesn't stop there. It goes through so many different steps of natural defense and creating an immunity to it in your body before it even reaches your bloodstream vaccines skip all of those steps and go right to the bloodstream. So that creates a lot of, that requires a lot of your antigens in your body to be activated at the same time. So it can almost put it into overdrive. And so, so that's, that's something that a lot of people don't recognize is because, and for anyone who's interested, like a good book to start with is Susan Humphrey's book, Dissolving Illusions, that literally talks about how all of these diseases were actually eradicated well before the vaccines came out, but perfectly aligned so that you, you know, believe that this is what took it out. Um, and I mean, I'm not one here to be like, oh, anti-vaxxer, but it's about trusting the body. And when you understand the body and what the body needs, you're not dependent on these outside factors to be injected right into your bloodstream in order for you to be healthier, in order to prevent your body from getting sick from these rare diseases. And then you have an mRNA, like you said, it's a genetic one, right? So it hits right into the the RNA of your body um, and your chromosomes, essentially. And that's like a whole other ballgame of its own. And then when it's being forced on you, especially when you see all of the effects that are happening now, it's 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 scary to see. But you can't help but kind of put up your defenses and be like, no, 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 I don't I don't want this if you're going to force it on me. Yeah, I mean, I think that the, the place where I'm at now with the way that I view health is almost that 
basically, you know, what we kind of see as um, like mainstream medicine now kind of, I don't even really, even really like using the word, word traditional medicine because it wasn't always like this. It's almost like, I feel like that word traditional has been appropriated in some way, but I guess just like calling it mainstream medicine for now, it is really, really effective in, in some ways, you know, particularly if you've broken your arm or something, you know, and you need to go and get like a pot put on your arm because you need to heal. Or if you've, you know, had a a head injury and someone needs to do a surgery and on your skull or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Modern medicine is amazing for those things. Like 100%. it's absolutely great. Wouldn't want it any other way. You want the best doctor, you want the best healthcare system in the world. But when it comes to, I guess, just more um, kind of, I don't want to say like degenerative disease because I guess many diseases are like that, but just diseases through um, that people would, would get that isn't from you know some impact some actual injury some physical thing seems to me like holistic health just has a huge part to play in that and it's been just kind of um eradicated essentially like quite deliberately um and i would like to see a kind of a coming back of holistic health i mean for me personally like i've had um you know things like acupuncture has worked like really really great for me i've had cupping therapy it's worked really really great like i don't i'm not one of these people who's like okay well all modern health um sucks i just think that that there is a, a very large place for holistic health, which you kind of come back into the into the fray. So like, yeah, I'm wondering what you think about that. How, how would you, in an ideal world, how would you see the mix of, of, of medicine, kind of modern and more holistic? Well, when you go to the Eastern world, you see it practiced a lot, right? They, they practice allopathic combined with traditional and the original form of medicine, which is nice to see. And I feel like that's what the Northern world is, is lacking is because that's not even an option. Because if you think about most of the pills are derived from plants, right? So someone like, you know, I wouldn't use tel- uh, Tylenol. Tylenol is the number one cause of liver failure. It's got so many issues that can actually happen from Tylenol. But you can use something more like white willow bark, which is literally nature's aspirin. That's what aspirin is derived from without all the side effects. And so when you start to learn words, these things are derived from without the side effects, you start to turn to it a little bit more. Allopathic medicine, you're right, has its place. It has its time for emergencies, for for things like that. You need it. And that's an amazing breakthrough that we humans have done. But that doesn't mean that it's the way of being healthy. Because like you said, there's so many different modalities of healing. When you think of holistic health, it's not just, oh, being organic or being vegan and taking your supplements. It's more than that. It's connecting yourself as a human to your spiritual, physical, mental aspect and saying, am I aligned? Am I happy? Is my job making me happy? And am I doing what I'm meant to do? And am I sharing that gift with the world? Am I feeding my body what it needs to be able to think and feel optimally so that I have the energy that I need to be able to do what I need to do? And am I handling stress and de-stressing and forgiving and churning the page and doing all these things that I need to in order to not hold or block emotional trauma inside of me so that I'm not the person that I meant to be. And, and I think that this is like the biggest shift that we're seeing is because when you think about healing, the allopathic system is great for temporary relief. Say someone's having a panic attack, they're on the verge of suicide, something's happening. You want to take an antidepressant or something like that? Okay, I'm not here to tell you no. Just as long as you know the side effects and the dangers of getting started on it because they're highly addictive, and you're still trying to get to the root cause of how you can support your nervous system and get out of it. So I think that's the biggest thing. This is temporary. This is longevity. Holistic health is more of a lifestyle because whatever created most often than not your disease is a dis-ease is something in your lifestyle. Whether it's the way that you were eating, it's the way that you can't 
you know, de-stress. It's the way that you're not able to manage your relationships or your habits, whatever it is, something in your lifestyle created this dis-ease. And so it's getting to the root cause of that if you actually want to be healthy. That's why so many people in stage four cancer and all these autoimmune diseases were able to heal themselves through the allo- through the holistic method versus allopathic because they changed their lifestyles and they found happiness in their life through what they're eating, through what they're doing, through what they're practicing, through what they're reading, what they're seeing, what they're saying, all of it. Yeah, just when you were talking there, it kind of really dawned on me just how much of like what we think is going to make us healthy through the kind of more holistic methods is exactly the polar opposite of the kind of world that, you know, these, you know, quote unquote elites are trying to, to create for us. You that know, it's things really. like, yeah. things like having, you know, uh, having enough sleep. Okay. Well that doesn't go, that doesn't like go down well with these people who are forcing everyone to work longer and harder hours because they're, you know, degrading the money through inflation and we have to work more and more, you know, or if and we both want, you know, parents more community. have to work to support the family. Right. Exactly. Both parents have to work, you know, when it comes to kind of, you know, community, they're trying to kind of like discourage people having community, you know, they want to replace community with the state, you know, like things like family, you know, having family time, eating together at the table, all of these things is kind of the opposite of the world they're trying to create. And it all, it all seems to be kind of part and parcel of this, this general trend away from self uh, sufficiency and self-sovereignty, you know, not just, um, you know, providing for yourself, but providing for your own mental needs, providing for your own health needs and doing it in a way like really, when you actually look at the things you need to do, it's, it's on an individual level. It's on a community level. It's on a family level. It's nothing to do with the state. It's nothing to do with these big institutions, nothing to do with big pharma. And I wonder how much of that is actually, you know, putting my tinfoil hat on for a second is actually a very deliberate ploy because they, they know that these things that are intrinsic to humans actually go against their agenda. So they need to try and find a way to artificially suppress them. I do strongly believe in that as well, right? Because if you're constantly stuck in inflation and the money mindset and the scarcity mindset and being forced into that nine to five job and buying a home that's now a liability, I know a lot of people think it's an asset and it will be down the road, but for the longest time, it's a liability because you're locked into having to keep this job to be able to pay for this and do all of that. And then it starts to break the family home because from such a young age, the parents are not home and they don't have the one parent with them. And that's not to say, I mean, both my husband and I work, you know, I run a business, but it's about having the freedom. And that ties into like exactly how I transitioned naturally into wanting to help other healers create businesses because there were so many people who had full-time jobs. And when the mandates came out, lost their job or even worse, took the vaccine because they didn't want to lose their job because they're so stuck to that nine to five that they were willing to do that to their bodies instead of doing something more. And I'm a strong believer that we all have natural talents. We all have a gift. We all have a piece of the puzzle to bring to this world. Every single one of us, whether big or small pieces. And that's why, you know, you're talking about, you did acupuncture and there's so many ways of healing, right? There's so many ways of trying to work towards being healthier. So why not learn that? and share that knowledge. And that's exactly how I, I, you know, kind of created my, what I call as my healer six figure formulas. Essentially now I'm teaching people like how I really built the business, just being me. And it naturally just took off by helping people heal and how I did to do that. Because if we want to be sovereigns, if you don't want to be stuck to a nine to five, then what are you doing with your passion? Do you even know what your purpose is? Because that's the only way that I can now work a few hours a day and almost feel like I run an entire business, but have so much more time to be with my family, 
have so much more time to be able to travel and do all of that stuff. Because if not, what are you going to do? Are you going to wait until retirement to really start living? work the nine to five. So then that you have no energy by the end of the day. And I do think that this was part of the plan because you no longer have energy. You just get home to cook, watch TV, put your kid to bed, and then you're going to bed. And that's the same repeat cycle. And no wonder why people are depressed because your soul is not fulfilled anymore. You literally are just working to pay your bills and have no purpose. And we all need to have a purpose. Yeah. I, I, I do want to, um, want to, want to come back to that actually, because you mentioned about, sorry about the noise, by the way, there's a started like drilling outside or doing something i don't hear it <laughs> oh you don't hear it okay well that, that's probably good news um yeah so i wanted to come back to the uh, you know what you were saying about um about helping other people and stuff because i know that that's kind of a big part of what you're doing now but just real briefly i want to i want to touch on psychedelics i know before we started the conversation you said that psychedelics uh you know wasn't it wasn't kind of something that you're you're kind of really too into um, I just want to get your kind of general thoughts around that. Cause normally I find that people who are into holistic health and plant medicine and all this kind of stuff, psychedelics normally forms kind of a, a part of their, their lifestyle in some way, or at least their, their kind of beliefs of, of around health and stuff. I know so, a ton of people that, that do it. So I've done a lot of research. I've seen, I I've talked to a ton of people that do the whole microdosing and how it helps with, and I do, I'm a strong believer that there's ways that it could help with depression and breaking free of the trauma and all of that. Like I'm not opposed to it at all. But a lot of people are shocked to know that that's something that I've just never actually personally tried. It's not something that I've tried. I think it has a lot to do with when I was younger, I saw people have very bad reactions. And that's probably because they took more than they were supposed to. And I kind of was like, I'm that person that doesn't like to be out of control. Um, like, I don't I obviously don't drink. It's been so many years that I don't drink. But even when I did, I didn't even like to get drunk because I want to be in control. I don't like not knowing what's going on. And so that's kind of the feeling that I get. And I don't want to get to that point with psychedelics, but I know that it's very advantageous when used properly for the right people. I just personally, I feel in such an alignment that I don't feel like I'm at a point that I need to do that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely think that it's not, it's not for everyone. And, you know, I mean, I haven't gone kind of, you know, super psychonaut with the whole thing. I mean, like I haven't done like ayahuasca and stuff yet, but you know, I, I'm kind of similar at this point. I don't really feel like I necessarily, I, I think that there's, there's probably always insights to be gained, but I think that for people who are suffering from like severe depression and things like this, I think psychedelics can, can have a huge role. Um, but yeah, I think it should be done like sparingly, I guess. Like, like there's weekend else. retreats here that I've actually even, I even tell people about that. Like maybe that's something that you can consider because it helps you work through a lot of the trauma that you're building up and whatever it is that you're going through. Like, I think it could certain it's in, it's in a controlled environment. So right. They're making sure that you're not going to overdose or take too much or do anything like that. Um, so I, I definitely believe it's got its benefits, but I don't believe that everyone has to, if I've like healed through my emotional trauma, if I feel like I'm happy where I am and you know, I have an intuitive guide and a strong one, then I'm okay with not getting to that point. But a lot of people that aren't at that point, they might need it. I think it has its benefits and, and I believe in it stronger even more. Why? Because I know everything growing from the earth serves its purpose. A hundred percent. The same way I believe cannabis is advantageous when used properly, but like anything else overconsumption, you know, uh, abusing the product, you start to lose the benefits of it. Right. So that's why I do believe psychedelics definitely have it because they're obviously growing there for a reason and have its purposes, but in used in moderation. Sure. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So one other thing I, I wanted to touch on, that, um, just to kind of get your general thoughts on, is the whole germ versus terrain theory thing. Uh, you probably heard of Alex Zek, who he was on my on my 
podcast like fairly recently and we, we were talking all about germ versus terrain theory. Uh, before that episode, honestly, uh, and kind of before, you know, learning more about Alec and his work, I wouldn't say that I was kind of too um, into that whole thing. I was kind of very, you know, I just believed in all the mainstream science stuff. But now I've started to to kind of question the whole nature of germ theory and, you know, whether there is proof of things like viruses and stuff or whether, you know, whether it essentially adheres to the, to the scientific method. I'm wondering whether you've kind of gone down that path and what your thoughts are around that. Yeah, so so I definitely believe that the germ theory was forced on us to kind of create that like fear of like getting sick in, in the viruses. And I know that they've never actually really isolated any of these viruses. So how do you even know that they actually exist and put a name to it and stuff like that? So I definitely very much believe in the terrain theory. Um, I haven't fully gone down that rabbit hole and maybe it's something that I could. I I don't know why I don't really have an interest in going down that rabbit hole because I feel like it's it's very conflicting. So for example, they have actually done studies where, you know, someone who's showing these sick like symptoms are getting sick and then, you know, sneezing or coughing in front of someone and the other person didn't get yeah. sick. Right. So we know this. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I know it has a lot to do with your terrain, right? Because if you're healthier, you're less likely to get sick. And if you do get sick, your, your, your symptoms are so minimal and it's a sign of detoxification. Right. So the last time I could remember that I actually got sick was like, I think a few days before that, maybe three, four days in a row, I was literally eating more sugar than I should have. So, so what, and then, so did I, was I around someone that got me sick or was it something that I encountered that was that extra step of toxins in my body that threw it into overdrive that now my body wanted to detox? I don't really know. You know what I mean? And I know that there's both theories, but at the same time, I'm not fully one way or fully the other way, but I a hundred percent believe that your terrain has everything to do with how you react to sickness, whether that's through a virus or natural detoxification coming out of your body, you're less susceptible to either one. If you're making sure that your terrain, your body is actually healthy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I guess I, I haven't really had to make my mind up about this thing. It's kind of like, you know, I'm the same. Is there, yeah. or isn't there germs and stuff? Yeah. I, I, I kind of think that even if, even if it's the case that, you know, there is no such thing as, as viruses and all of this, even if that's the case, it doesn't really change my kind of like outlook when it comes to health. Like, you know, you still well, need to go I'm outside. It still comes down to your terrain. How your foundation of your body is still has everything to do with whether yeah, or not you're exactly. getting sick or not. Yeah. Yeah. It, even like it's either the case that, you know, your terrain is 100% of the equation when it comes to your health, or it's a large part of it, maybe it's 80 or 90%. But for me, it's not, it's not going to really change that you should have a primary focus on that anyway. So it that's exactly it. So I never felt that like, I do believe that germ theory is there to like, a little bit too much in our world to be like, here's afraid of germs and all this stuff. And like, you know, this is how it can make you sick. So I believe that that's overly pushed and is is too much. But, you know, like I said, I do believe that terrain is a hundred percent important and that's, that's exactly it. And regardless of what the symptoms are, the terrain comes down to the terrain. That's what you have to focus on. So I don't, I don't really care too much beyond that point to focus absolutely on terrain or germ. Cause I don't think it changes anything at the end of the day. It's the terrain of your body for you reacting to what's happening around you and not needing outside forces to make you healthier. Yeah. So, you know, you've mentioned a few times during this conversation, um, you know, about the nature of kind of, I guess having purpose and, and things like that in, in your own life. And, um, you know, it seems like that's a big aspect of it for you. You know, I, I was, 
I've kind of noticed that you talk about that just as much as you'll talk about the the healing aspects of plants and stuff. You yeah. seem kind of very focused on the individual and the state of mind and stuff. So I'm wondering, you know, like from your perspective, kind of what does make a healthy individual from, from you know, outside of, you know, uh, consuming, you know, plants and Being you know, things healthy, like that? Like generally. what is it that makes well, a healthy individual? Yeah. I used to suffer from like chronic anxiety and, and insomnia and everything. When I say chronic anxiety, I'm talking about for like over two years, every single day in the morning, I was puking because my stomach just couldn't handle, you know, life at that time. Um, and, and what I see around me a lot is I have really learned that we all do have natural talents. We all do have something that we are meant to contribute to the world. And more than 75% of people have no idea what that is and don't even really have the time to figure it out. Like, what is it that I like? What were you doing and loving to talk about when you were like nine years old? If time and money was not a constraint, what would you be doing? And the amount of people that actually cannot answer that is sad because you need to sit back and say, what would I be doing? Like, what am I meant to do? I'm not meant to work in this corporate job. That's not my purpose. That's not why I'm here. And as long as you're still alive, it's because you have a purpose here. And so I've really realized more than ever my true sense of happiness, my true sense of happiness. And I used to practice meditation. I've read every book and I, I, I was happy, but my truest sense of happiness came when I felt like my work and my words and my life was completely aligned. And that only really happened when I started to pursue this, this knowledge in the plant medicine and this holistic health and all of that. And, and it's like the next step just shows you when you're actually aligned with what you need to be doing, the next step and the next sign becomes so obvious for you and you just follow that path. And when you're following that path, you're like, why am I so lucky? You actually start to feel not just happy. You feel so lucky to be like, as if I found what I meant to do in this world. And it might not end here. Like I said, I'm in the holistic healing world and I love what I'm doing. And then somehow I gravitated to almost becoming like a wealth and business coach by helping healers create businesses. And at first I was like, how's that going to go? But like, I felt like this is what I meant to do. I was getting the signs and that's because it turned in around to being like, well, I can only help people so many ways learn about plant medicine, but holistic healing has so many modalities. So if I can help other people grow their businesses online, help other people recognize that their ways of, you know, redefining the healthcare system and what healing means, that was even more fulfilling because now I'm indirectly helping so many more people heal with all the modalities that we have. And so when you're doing what you're aligned with doing, it's just so different. And if people really understood that, it wouldn't even, I, I strongly believe like, even if you're not the healthiest person, the fact that you're just so happy and have that amount of serotonin and dopamine and, and, you know, better relationships and output and mindset and everything you have a longer lifespan for sure by far than anyone who's just eating organic and exercising every single day. Yes, I would totally agree with all that. Yeah, that is that is something that I've definitely noticed in my life. Like if someone who is really, really like living their purpose and stuff, even if they are like working too many hours or whatever, if they're working their ass off and they just really care about this thing they do, they, they're doing and they care about the mission, they care about the cause, et cetera, they're probably going to find like their health is going to be better than someone who, you know, they might be having, you know, green smoothies every morning, but they go into a corporate job that they hate. And there's resistance exactly. there. There's internal resistance to the job they're doing. It's like you can drink all the green smoothies in the world that you want, but if you're still going 
to this job, uh, you know, and, and, and it's not um, kind of in line with your spirit. I think that your body is going to is going to tell you that. And uh, in exactly. many ways, it expresses it as as pain and suffering and as, as kind symptoms. of ill health. Exactly. And yeah, 100%. so that's great that, you know, with the, the work that you're doing, you're you're kind of um, exploring those avenues as well. Cause it definitely sounds like it's embodying like so many, so many aspects. Um, so, yeah, actually, I was going to just give you the opportunity as well uh, to just kind of talk about um like what it is that, that you, that you are doing. And, you know, like, um, you said that you're kind of helping people to teach others and stuff. It sounds like it's kind of really got these exponential returns for you, you know, like rather than just helping individuals, you're helping the people who help other individuals. Yeah, and- so, I mean, I still do my consultations. I still have my eBooks and stuff like that to help people learn about plant medicine, which is obviously like my baby. But now I've really shifted towards helping other people that have such a passion in the health and wellness industry. Some people literally don't even have a business or anything. They've just got the passion. And some people have kind of have a business, but I'm I'm really walking them through on how to leverage it and turn it into something on the online world so that you can work from anywhere and have the freedom and have that passive income to be able to turn your passion into literally an automated system that works for you where all you really got to do is show up on social media every little bit. And that's kind of what I want to teach them is because like I work with a holistic veterinary nurse, freaking incredible. I cannot wait to like share what she's working on. You know, a Shiatsu practitioner that teaches you health for the seasons, uh, you know, a traditional birth attendant, other herbalists, nutritionists, like, you know, uh, a naturopathic doctor, a psychiatrist who's actually recently leaving the industry because she's about to lose her license because she wants to teach people her way of mental health and what she's learned through gut health and mental health and all that stuff. And so it's so amazing to see all of these different people come together, but be able to learn a way that they can essentially sell their knowledge and their passion in a way that people want to buy it in an affordable way and how to navigate that where, you know, you're not stuck working, but also have that passion to want to share the knowledge but you're not making money enough so that you're stuck to this job. So you're really not able to pursue that passion. So I really help them navigate through turning that into something. And so like, I've got a free Facebook group called the healer six figure formula, where you start to learn the strategies and you have free resources and all that stuff to be able to learn these concepts. Um, And then you really just start there. It's like, if you're an aspiring healer and you want to eventually turn that into something, or you're someone that's like, Man, I've been st- like, I have someone that's been studying it for 20 years, has zero business, none whatsoever. But she's like, but this is how me and my family live. She's like, but I don't have certificate certification. And I was like, but you don't need it. Your knowledge and your research over the last 20 years is so valuable. Because when you think about our ancestors, they weren't studying books, they were living it and they were teaching it to others. And so that's, I feel like this is the best way that we can really redefine healthcare and get to so many more people, especially millennials and the younger generations really get to them in terms of when more of us are talking about this way, the different ways of healing outside of the system, we're naturally going to start to mold and condition their brains to realize that there's another way of healing. And this is one of the fastest growing industries. It's estimated to hit almost 30 billion by 2030 because it's growing so quickly. And it's our job to kind of, you know, help everybody learn these modalities because the last three years has made a lot of people wake up and realize that I don't trust a doctor anymore. I don't trust the system. Something's obviously broken in the system and I want to learn something else. Yeah. And I, and you know, that I think rightfully so, honestly, like this is one of the, the positives to come out of this. I know some people are like, Oh, you know, people are losing trust in, 
in traditional medicine, people are always interested in institutions and doctors. And I'm like, yeah, this is great. This is this has been needed for a long time. Like we've That's actually right. needed a movement away from just blind trust in authority. And I That's think right. that like holistic health, it's great to see, you know, a kind of boom in holistic health since this, because it was obvious to so many people that when they were just trying to, you know, get jabs in everybody, it was obvious to, to so many people like this is wrong. This isn't the way it should be. And the idea that like there weren't more doctors who were speaking about this, I mean, I was pretty red-pilled already before this, but just seeing the absolute silence from the, from the medical community, aside from, you know, a very select few people who actually spoke out, I just thought, we, w- this is not going to be saved. We can't save this. We can't just, you know, like change the system at all. We need a complete, we need people to literally just start opting out and saying, I'm not going to just blindly trust these people anymore. And exactly. um, yeah, so, you know, it's great that you're you're doing all this work and, you know, hopefully the people that you're kind of educating as well can have a huge a huge impact on on individuals and yeah i hope that we can have a, a revolution in the area of holistic health as well as a revolution in i hope so freedom. yeah just empowering themselves really to know that you hold the power and you don't have to give your power out to to heal or to become successful or to have a job or to care for your family like it's essentially just taking our power back and saying like i can leverage like i said the online world i can leverage th- the modern world but to my own advantage in terms of what i want to do through my my holistic ways or my ancestral ways and stuff yeah i think that's what we're doing in 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 like a multitude of ways honestly you know like i i i was actually actually literally just in the last conversation i had on this podcast we were talking about you know getting your hands in the soil and you know um planting things and growing your own food and all the rest of it but we were also just saying you know do all of that but technology you know don't neglect it as a tool that's where you learn this stuff that's where you can share these ideas that's where you can build communities as well merging the two is the best thing that we can do Totally. Yeah. It's kind of, yeah. Bringing, bring using technology, but also kind of like bringing like principles, like age old principles that, that, that's the sweet spot, I think for this community, but, uh, that's right. for, for, you know, where, where the freedom movement is going essentially. That's um, right. cool. This has been really awesome, Tanya. I'm, I'm, I'm glad Thank we you. had this conversation. It's, uh, it's great to kind of like, you know, cover something a little bit different in this episode. Like normally, uh, I don't talk about holistic health, so it's awesome to kind of uh, have this one with you and, um, thanks for sharing everything just before we round off, just let people know, uh, first of all, where they can find you if they want to get in touch and that kind of thing. And then also if you could just leave us with some kind of final thoughts of, you know, um, where you see the world going, or I guess, I guess more what you want to see in the world. Like, you know, what are your kind of, what things are you excited about that, um, that, that are happening in the world right now in holistic health or freedom or, or self-sovereignty or anything related? Um, so, I mean, I'm tend of the herbalist across all platforms, Instagram, Facebook, um, Twitter, TikTok. My website is tenotherbalist.com, so you could see all my social media and content there too. Um, I think I would end it off by just saying, take baby steps towards ways of empowering yourself, whether it's through your health and slowly taking those baby steps to removing things that are more toxic and learning about that, whether it's baby steps on learning how to garden and grow your own food, baby steps to starting your own business, taking the power, I think that, you know, Rockefeller and Carnegie, I was actually just listening it today, were saying like word for word that they don't want to create entrepreneurs, they want to create employees. And so if you tie that into what's happening in the healthcare system, I think it's our job to take baby steps to break free of that system and empower ourselves so that you're not dependent on a governing body. And if we want to see true change and true freedom in the world, the only way for us to do that is saying, I can control my my health. 
I can control my mind. I can control my finances. And this is how I'm going to start by baby steps, learning how to do that. So I'm breaking free from a system that feeds off of controlling me. So it's essentially just taking your power back. Amazing. Thanks so much, Tanya. Thank you.